number of you people uh, mentioned to me last week that you had not remembered what we had gotten into in, in these things and were very interested and curious about it. So I uh, pulled out the notes from before and found out it wasn't as long ago as I thought that we had gotten into this. But we'll get into it again because the message is incredibly important. So we told you this is the last night Jesus was to, to be able to work with his disciples on the night that he would be betrayed. Next day he'd be crucified and uh, taken away. And so the things that he gets into are the things that are extremely important. And I get passionate about the things that he that are in the Word of God. And when Jesus wants to teach a particular truth and people mess it up, it just it's one of those things that just gets under my skin. And um, that's why I've said things like, we will never have a foot washing service at Zoe Christian Fellowship because it gets under my skin. In order to have one, you have to miss what Jesus taught. Have to miss. There is no other way that you can have a foot washing ceremony than to have missed what Jesus taught. And I know we now, if you've ever taken part of a foot washing service, don't feel like you got to go home and repent and all that sort of stuff. Because uh, you did it before in ignorance, but now you're not going to. I want you to know and not go away with a, a lesser meaning of what he intended. Because what he intended is powerful. What he intended would defend the church against an attack that is on against it right now. What he had intended would help people live in peace and harmony like we have never before. There was a uh, story I'd read for you sometime before. It's called Silly Signs. These are some signs that are set up that when you read them, they really do sound kind of silly. Uh, one is bargain basement upstairs. <laughs> Another sign, would the person who took the step ladder yesterday please bring it back or further steps will be taken. After tea break, staff should empty the teapot and stand upside down on the draining board. This is the gate of heaven. Enter ye all by this door. In parentheses, this door is kept locked because of the draft. Please use the side door. We exchange anything. Bicycles, washing machines, etc. Why not bring your wife along and get a wonderful bargain? The town hall is closed until opening. It will remain closed after being opened, open tomorrow. Out to lunch. If not back by five, out for dinner also. <laughs> Slow cattle crossing, not overtaking for the next 100 years. Or no overtaking for the next 100 years. Uh, due to increasing problems with letter, um, well, with letter, louts, and vandals, we must ask anyone with relatives buried in the graveyard to do their best to keep them in order. Anyone leaving their garments here for more than 30 days will be disposed of. Elephants, please stay in your car. Yep, that was a sign. For anyone who has children and does not know it, there is a daycare on the first floor. The farmer allows work workers to cross the field for free, but the bull charges. If you cannot read this leaflet, we will tell you how to get lessons. I'm sorry, if you cannot read this leaflet, we'll tell you how to get lessons. Uh, this one I really enjoyed. We can repair anything. Please knock hard on the door. The bell isn't working. <laughs> now, sometimes a sign that you put up just doesn't quite convey the meaning that you're trying to intend. And then Jesus, when he is teaching us in this episode here in John chapter 13, we kind of don't come away with the thing that he wanted us to, to learn. 
And it's real important that we do. John chapter 13 and verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that... What's the qualifications of this? This is one of the most qualified stories in the Bible. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Is that a qualifier? Jesus is trying to get into something here, isn't he? All of this to qualify. Now, John is writing all this. Jesus didn't say this to qualify what he was doing. But John, in order to explain the story, gave all these qualifications. All these things. Who he was, that he knew who he was. He knew where he was going. He knew what would happen. All these things that he knew. Before all that, he wants us to know the first off, that Jesus had come from God. He had known that the Father had given him all things. The Father's already given him all things. He knew that his betrayer was at hand. He knew who he was. Imagine being in a room with 12 people and you know who the betrayer is. He may not have known it all the way up, but he knew at this point who the betrayer was. And John, in qualifying Jesus for this act, lets us know he knew who his betrayer was. He also knew who would deny him. And he also knew who would desert him. He knew all those things. He knew that out of the 12 people he had in the room, one person would outright betray him, one person would deny him three times, and that most of the rest of them would, would uh, uh, desert him. They would leave him. And these are the people he's working with here in this room. He knew all these things. He knew that he was going to God. So what we can tell from this is that he is coming from a superior position. He's coming from a position of, of being superior. He's, he is in a position of knowing right at this point. He, because of all the things that he knows, because of all that he knows, he is going to get into this episode with them. Supper's already ended. If supper's already ended, he's already instituted the Lord's Supper. He's already done that. He's already done the, the uh, Old Covenant, New Covenant, the blood of the New Covenant, my body which is broken for you. He's already done all those things. This is supper being ended. Verse 4. Let's go over for 3 again. Jesus, knowing that he had, that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them and the towel with which he was girded. This is what he began to do. Now, it's hard for us to relate to this because we don't have this practice. This was a custom that they have. This is something that they did as a custom. Someone, when you would come into, when you had a house and people would come in, the owner of that house would take responsibility to make sure that the people who were coming in, that their feet were washed. They didn't always do it themselves. They sometimes had servants or they had other people that would do it. But it was the owner of the house. It was their responsibility to make sure that the people coming in washed their feet. First off, because their feet were dirty. 
And, uh, you know, we, we wipe off our shoes before where they took off their shoes, but their, their feet are dirty because they're wearing sandals. And you'd bring all that dirt into the house. And so one of the things they would do is they would wash their feet so that you're not tracking dirt all through the house. They didn't give them a bath, but they came on in, they would wash their feet. And uh, you would also wash your hands before supper. We still have that practice. Many of us still wash our hands before we, we sit down and we eat something. But this is the custom that was done. Now, here's a problem. They are in a rented room. Who owns this? Nobody in the room eating. So who took responsibility to wash the people's feet who came in? Nobody. And they could look around the room and say, well, it's not my responsibility. Uh, it's, you know, it's not my house. And so they went through the entire meal and no water was offered to wash anyone's feet or to clean them up for dinner. So they went through the whole meal, basically dirty. After the meal, Jesus did, went up and did this. But he did it after knowing all these things about himself. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, this is something that was customary. If somebody got up in your house and began to do this, you may not know what they're trying to do. But they, when they, soon as they saw him get up and they took the garment off and he got the wash basin and he started getting some water, at some point they realized, oh man, he's going to wash, he's going to get things ready to wash our feet. And at that point, maybe someone would have wanted to dart up and no, 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 Jesus, you don't do that. We'll take care of that. But they didn't yet. They hadn't done that. And then Jesus began to go around the room and to, to wash their feet to make them ready for the for that. And then he comes to Simon Peter. He does not start with Simon Peter, but he comes to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter probably says what everyone else was thinking and what we would have been thinking if we'd been there. And he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? In other words, I know that you are in a superior position. Why is it that you are doing this, washing my feet. You shouldn't be doing that. Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Now that statement right there should stop us from ever having a foot washing ceremony. Just that one statement alone should stop us from having it. Because what does he say? What I am doing now, you don't understand it. Can he understand that someone is washing his feet. <laughs> so that's not what he's getting at, is he? If it was just that someone needed to wash people's feet, if it was just that somebody needed to humble themselves and to wash their feet, don't you think they could have understood that? But he said, what I'm doing right now, you won't understand. But you'll understand it later. So if, you, if you're going to say that, then basically, whatever you understand at that point is wrong. <laughs> right? If he's telling you what, what I'm doing right now, you're not going to understand it. You'll understand it later, but you won't understand it right now. Jesus is going to say something else that makes you shake your head. But we're not there yet. Are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Which is why John, when he writes about this, qualifies it. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. What's Peter doing? No, no, no. The understanding I have is perfect and you're not going to do it. How many times have we told God he doesn't understand stuff? 
Come on, you've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. Because we got a situation going on and we know this situation is bad. And if only God understood, <laughs> he wouldn't let this go on. Mm-hmm. What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him. I can just see Jesus doing this too. He's not washing his feet anymore. He steps back and he says, Peter, if I don't do this, you have no part with me. I can, I, I, when I picture this story and I see Jesus doing it, I don't see him saying that while he's washing his feet. I see Jesus stopping, stepping back. Peter, if I don't do this, you have no part with me. So Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Isn't that the way we are with God, though? You know, we, we're, we're going down the road and we either get off on a ditch on one side or we get off the ditch on the other. Either, no, you can't wash my feet at all, or all right, just wash the whole thing. And Jesus brings him right back to the middle. He says, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Later on in chapter 13, he will dismiss his betrayer. In this very chapter, if you, it's not the thing we have to compare it to Matthew and Mark and all that sort of stuff. In this very chapter, towards the end, he will go to Judas. Judas, go and do what you're, you're supposed to do. And then Judas would leave. No one know why, knew why he left. But at this point, when he is washing the disciples' feet, he is washing the feet of Judas. There is no doubt. He is in the room. And when he says, not all of you are clean, if you are not clean, is washing your feet going to have any effect based on what Jesus said? No. Because look at, look at again what he says. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So out of the twelve... He knew that 11 were clean and one was not. But he washed the feet of all 12. It's important to know. Now, how many of us would be over there with Peter? You're not washing my feet. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Don't want you to be doing that sort of stuff. That's, uh, that's not it. Now, when it uses the word here, bathe, it's using a Greek word that means to, to bathe, to wash the whole body. You know, we might call it a shower. Sometimes, you know, we do more showers than, than baths. I don't remember the last time I had a bath. But I do remember the last time I had a shower. I'm not much for, for baths. I'd much rather get a shower because, you know, a shower, you're in and out in five minutes. Bath, well, you got to get the water to all heat up and then the water's got to be the right temperature and all that sort of stuff. And that's just, uh, that's too much. I just like to get in the shower and get done and go on. But this is the word that would be used even if we're talking about that. It is to bathe to wash the whole body, to, to clean every part. So he was bathed. If you're already cleaned, cleaned up that way, well, you're, you don't need to do that. What you need to do is the word for wash, which is to cleanse, especially the hands, feet, or face. Especially the hands, the feet, or the face. Now, Peter did say, go ahead and you know, don't just wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. 
So he's taking this word literally. Uh, go ahead and do everything that word entails. Do the feet, do the hands, do the head. And Jesus said, no, don't need to do it. If you're already clean, I just need to wash your feet. That's it. And you'll be clean. The word there, clean, is the Greek word katharos, which means clean, clear, and pure. It is the same word that is used in John 1, 9. Same word that is used there. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Same word that is used. Well, as far as we know, Peter's the only one who spoke up and said anything. After that, they just went on through and did the rest of the, the feet. And in verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Now, this is a, a, a incredible statement because first off, what did he do? He washed their feet. <laughs> do you know what I just did? You washed my feet. <laughs> if washing the feet is what Jesus was trying to get across to, to their understanding, why does he say this? And then he just say, what I'm doing, you're not going to understand, but you understand it later. So why is it that afterwards he asked them, do you know what I have done to you? I'm sure that they weren't going to answer because if you remember, there was a time before when the, a similar situation rose up. And Jesus said to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And uh, they were sitting there in the boat and they said to each other, it's because we forgot to bring bread. I know it. We should have brought bread. We should have had bread. We didn't have bread. We forgot the bread. And he's exhorting us to not forget the bread. And what's Jesus say? Oh, yeah, you guys got it. <laughs> that was it. Jesus says to them, when we fed the 5,000, how many basketfuls did we bring up? Well, we, you know, this many. And when we fed the 4,000, how many did you take up then? Well, we took up this many. How is it you don't get it? How is it you think I'm talking about bread? And then they understood that he wasn't talking about bread, but that he was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But they didn't get that right at first because Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And he's just a marvel to them. How is it that you don't get this? And so now he's, he's washing their feet. And he says to them, do you know what I've done to you? And then we've gone on from here. You know what we did? We have foot washing ceremonies in churches. And what's Jesus thinking when he looks down there and sees that? How, how do they not get it? How is it that they don't get it? Why are they going out and they're having this? Don't they understand? Because what people are coming out with is the very meaning that Jesus said, you're not going to get this now. You'll get it eventually, but you're not going to get it right now. Do you know what I have done to you? I want you to notice this sentence very carefully. Do you know what I have done to you? When you wash somebody's feet, don't you do something for them? But he says, do you know what I have done to you. Small word. Does it mean anything? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Well, if he doesn't want them to go out there and wash people's feet, why does he tell them to go out there and wash people's feet? 
And that's why we come out of there with this meeting and people have foot washing ceremonies because what does he say? Just like I washed your feet, you go out there and wash other people's feet. Remember? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he's saying, what I've done to you, you ought to go out and do to other people. What did he do? Now, the instant answer is he washed their feet. But he went through the act of washing their feet. But again, he said, what I'm doing, you're not going to know. Thank God for Peter and speaking up. Thank God for Peter. If Peter had not spoken up, we may have missed completely what he was trying to teach here. But I'll tell you what, we get to heaven, we've got to thank Peter for some things. And this is one of them. Peter, thanks for answering that question. I'm sure that uh, you felt funny about it afterwards, but I sure appreciate you asking that question. And Jesus said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Does that sound like foot washing? How many of you ever heard in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ that if you don't have your feet washed, you go to hell? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody heard that the only way to get to heaven is to wash your feet? Have you ever heard that? What does going to heaven have to do with? Only has to do with one thing. Doesn't matter how you lived. Doesn't matter uh, how much Bible you knew. It only matters about one thing. Only one. Th- there's only one thing that will keep you out of heaven. Anybody want to venture a guess as to what that is? It's sin. Sin is it. That's the only thing that can keep you out of heaven. Now, there's there's two kinds of sins. There's one, there's the nature of sin, that, and, and then there's the acts of sin that we have. When Jesus died on the cross for our sin, he washed us, if we accept his sacrifice of, of sin, he washed us clean of the nature of sin. And the penalty that we were born into, he's redeemed us from, right? We don't have to go to hell that we were born to go in that direction. We don't have to go that direction. We can go to heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. But it's because sin's been dealt with. The only thing that keeps us out of heaven and puts us into hell is that sin has not been dealt with. But when we got born again, how many of y'all know sin was dealt with? Sin, the big picture. In other words, you got a bath in the blood of Jesus Christ and he washed you clean of sin. Right? Isn't that the wording that the Bible uses all the time? You have been cleansed. You have been made clean. You have been made spotless. Isn't that the wording that it uses? Well, it is. But then after we get born again, what happens? What happens to our white garment? Our clean nature. Well, we walk through sin and we get ourselves dirty. <laughs> and what's the Bible say about getting ourselves dirty? Go to First John 1, 9. If you sin, mess up, confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we get dirty, 
after we've had the bath, what's he saying to Peter? You don't need to get another bath. You just need to have your feet washed. <laughs> and what he's telling Peter is this. Once you have a bath and you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you get your feet dirty, all you need is to get those feet washed. Now, I want you to notice something about the upper room here. No one got up to try and wash the feet of others. Jesus didn't allow anyone. If they did try, it sure wasn't written down. Jesus never said that anyone else there was qualified. He told Peter, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part with me. Does that not put the emphasis on the fact that Jesus has to wash the feet? He's not saying unless you let John wash your feet. You and John have this thing going on, but you better let him wash your feet. He doesn't say that. He says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part with me. What he's talking about, when we mess up before God, there is only one person, only one, who can clean us up. And that is Jesus. And that is exactly what he taught to Peter. There's only one person who can clean you up out of this, and that's me. There is no one else who's qualified. There is no one else in this room who can do it. I am the only one who can wash your feet and restore you to right standing with the Father. I am it. And what I'm telling you is, me, knowing who I am, knowing where I'm going, knowing that the Father has given me all things, laid aside my garments, came on down here and washed your feet because it was important for me to have you in the kingdom. Remember, this is his last night with the disciples. What he is teaching them is of utmost importance. Utmost importance. I've got to do this. And there's no one else in this room that can do it. All right, then why does he tell people to go out there and do it just like he did? Why would he do that? If he's the only one in the room who can do this, why is he doing it? And it's simple. Let's go back to the scripture here again. You call me teacher, verse 13, and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Now, again, we set up for mimicking Jesus' actions instead of understanding his intent. We're not here to mimic his actions. We're here to understand his intent and to do it. Jesus said, if I do not wash you, if I do not wash you, when we sin in our fellowship with the Father, and that, if that is broken, it is Jesus who will wash us. We confess our sins before him and Jesus is the one who will come and wash us. There's a doctrine that is going around here now. I know some people that have fallen into it. And that is this doctrine of grace. That because of grace, you don't need to confess your sins. That's a doctrine that is going around the church. I don't know if you've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard people come against it. And rightfully so. Because it's a bad doctrine. And if you understand what Jesus is teaching here, you understand clean people can get dirty and they need their feet washed. And Jesus is the only one who can wash them. But then he also goes on and he teaches this part. 
He says, you need to go out there and do the same thing. So how can I do the same thing as Jesus if the only one who can wash my feet to make them clean so I can be righteous before the Father? It's real simple. How many of y'all know people in this world have gotten dirty in their relationship with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many of you know people have gotten dirty in their relationship with you? They have wronged you. They have wronged people near you. They have hurt you. They have said things. They have done things. And how many of y'all have ever in your life had unforgiveness harbored in you? Where you don't want to restore a person to the place where they once were. Come on, we've all been there. All gone. That's a big temptation. We, we sometimes, we'll, we'll sit there and we'll say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm right. Right? You know, you got somebody over at work and they said something to somebody else and they did something, made, made it hard for you at work. And what do you feel like doing? I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be bitter. I have a right to be because they were wrong. They shouldn't have said that. That was not right. And we go around, we, we cover, what are we not doing? I'm not washing their feet. I'm not cleaning them up. What's Jesus want us to do? Be the aggressor and go out there and wash the people's feet. Jesus, with his 12 guys that are there, one betrayer, one denier, and a bunch of people that are just going to diss them. <laughs> just get out of town. Get away. And he washed every single one of their feet. Even though he knew that Peter was going to be in the garden area outside. I don't know the man. Even though that Judas in just a short bit of time is going to be going to get a posse together. Come get him. He still washed his feet. What reasons do we have for not washing people's feet around us? Got some good ones? <laughs> I bet you do. I've had some good ones. I've had some people. I mean, nobody can burn you like church people can. Right? I mean, heathen you expect it from. But church people, I've been burned in some really harsh, nasty ways by some leaders in church that I served. Said things, did things, knew they were lies, knew they were not true, and did them anyway. What are you going to do? You wash the feet. You see, because when they have wronged you and they have done something against you, you are the only one who can wash their feet. When you have wronged the Father, there's only Jesus that can wash your feet. And he says, I set the example. You've walked in a way and you've put a separation between you and the Father. And I've come to clean that up so that you can come into the Father's house and be clean. Now, you guys do the same thing. Wash each other's feet. Restore them to a place. How many of y'all know that's a harder message than it is to go out there and have some foot washing ceremonies? How many want to have a foot washing ceremony now? <laughs> Think I'll wash somebody's feet. This is, this is easier. Yeah. The Word of God says that blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word there for peacemakers is someone who makes peace. What do we got to do? We got to make peace with the people that are around us. Yeah, but they did something. It doesn't matter. As much as it is up to you, you wash the feet. Now, I want you to notice this. When Peter was questioning, you're not going to wash my feet. What does Jesus, in my, in my estimation, what does Jesus do? 
stops. I, I can't picture him doing this any other way. I see him stopping. All right? Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. But you've got to let me wash your feet. I'm not going to force myself to wash your feet. If you want to say no, I'm not going to hold you down. You've got to be willing. Word of God tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we've missed it, if we've messed up, and we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have to be willing for Jesus to wash your feet. These people that are going around teaching, no, you don't need to, don't waste your time. One, one brother actually put out, I don't waste my time confessing sin anymore. Christian brother, I know him. There's not somebody I just read. I know this person. And that's what they said. I don't waste my time confessing sin. And my prayer time is freed up. I feel no condemnation. Yeah, it'd be just ridiculous stuff. No, I don't know about him. But, you know, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time confessing sin. Because first off, if you cut down on it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the best thing to do, just cut down on it. <laughs> You cut down on it, you don't have to spend so much time. But if you mess up, get before the Father. <laughs> that's, that's the best thing to do. You get before the Father as soon as you sin, as soon as you realize I messed up, you get before the Father. God, I messed up. I messed up on this one. Will you forgive me? Of course you will. And you go on. You confess your sin, you go on. I mean, there's not much more you have to do to it. It doesn't take more than 30 seconds, 15 seconds. You can confess your sin and go on. You don't got to waste your time. You got to spend all kinds of time. Just get it done and get it over. Jesus is willing. Just be willing. <laughs> He's willing. You get willing. It can all be fixed. You can go on. That's the best way to not have to spend too much time confessing. Quit sinning. You know, people who want to lose weight. What's the best way to do it? Exercise? <laughs> stop eating as much. <laughs> you stop eating as much. You don't have to exercise as much. You know, we look at the government and the money that they're spending. What's the best way to take care of debt? Stop spending it. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to take care of debt. Stop spending the money. <laughs> There's no better way to take care of it than just stop spending the money. We keep thinking, well, i got to make more money. No, stop spending it. If you stop spending it, you don't have as much trouble. If you stop sinning, you don't have to keep going before the Father. That's a good thing. How many of you all know some people in your life that ought to take that advice and stop sinning? <laughs> well, we're here for ourselves. we got to take care of ourselves here first. But as much, now some people won't let you wash their feet. Some people you try and restore them and get them on back and nope, they're, gonna, they're not going to have anything to do with it. Well, you know what can do. But you got to stay willing. You always be, you be willing to jump right out there and wash somebody's feet. Restore them in the area of relationships. That's a hard thing. To, isn't it easier to go back to foot washing ceremonies? Because <laughs> this is a harder message. But Jesus knew this was important. Knew it was important. We were, my wife and I we were watching the movie yesterday. It was kind of a movie that started off kind of slow. And she was getting into it faster than I was getting into it. And so, you know, the Gaithers were on. It's a sign that you're getting older. <clears throat> you like to turn on the Gaithers. I'm pretty sure that's a sign you're getting older. But I'll tell you what, they were on. And I said, oh, man, I think it was Michael Phelps. They were doing one on his. I love yeah. Michael Phelps. Oh, man. I sit here and listen to him sing all day long. Man, he's just good. Whew. So, you know, every time a commercial comes on for the movie, I'm over with Michael Phelps. <laughs> Flipping right on back. And, you know, the commercial's over. 
<laughs> going back to the movie. <laughs> All right. So we go back to the movie. But after a while, I started getting into the movie, and the movie started to be pretty good. And if you want to go out there and watch this movie, you can. I was thinking about this movie. Why is this movie kind of appealing to me? Because I was starting to really like the characters, and I was starting to like it's a movie that started off in a way I kind of had an idea how it was going to end. And I thought, I don't really want to watch the movie. It's going to end that way right now. It's uh, it's not real uplifting, but, you know, it's on the Hallmark Christmas thing. They're always, you know, I, I love those movies. Those movies are great. I sometimes just flip on through there and say, which one's coming up? All right, record it. <laughs> now, 12 a.m., my recorder's recording stuff because I'm going to come back down here and watch it. Hallmark Christmas Channel, one of my favorite channels. Oh, man, I love when they put the... Well, anyway, if you want to go home and watch this movie, you can go home and watch it because I'm sure it's probably on. They usually run things like 56 times before Christmas. <laughs> so if you want to go out there and see it, but it was called November Christmas. Anybody ever see that one? Never. I hadn't seen it before either. Had some people in it we knew. You know, I, I know that face. I know who that person is. And I couldn't think of who they were or where they were in before, but, oh, we knew they, that they were there. And this movie had all kinds of aspects to it. Uh, first off, there was a girl who was very sick, and you kind of come up with that in the, in the beginning, and uh, they, they, they start to try and, and move things up in her life because they're just not sure that she's going to be around for all that. And then it was so neat because the town began to come on in. And I, the, the story that just amazed me about this was there's this old man, and you can't help fall in love with this old man, but within five minutes of meeting him on the, on the screen. Uh, he, he runs the farm. I'll tell you that. He runs the farm. Yet I just can't help from falling in love with this guy. It's just like, hey, this is the greatest character ever. <laughs> just love this guy. And he's out there and, uh, you know, he just sells vegetables and, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, they, he came on over and he was, he was asking something. He says, uh, I need some pumpkins. You know, it's in August. We don't do pumpkins in August. They're for later. And then he came over later on. He's asking for a Christmas tree. Can we mark a Christmas tree? We don't mark Christmas trees until November. Huh. Yeah, all right. I, I, I understand. And it, it dawned on this guy after a while what he was doing. And he says, you know, we got we to gotta fix this up. And so I'm going to tell you this one part of the movie. If I could have pulled it out in a clip, I was going to pull it out in a clip, put up on the screen for you so you could see it. It's just a powerful little part of the, of the thing. He goes, when he finally figures out what's going on, he decides, I'm going to find some pumpkins. And he goes over to a neighbor. And there's not a whole lot that is said about this, but you can tell something happened between him and the neighbor. And they hadn't talked or gotten along real well in a long time. And he said, uh, I need your help. And he began to explain the situation to him. And, and so the two are in a car and they're heading on down, but it's quiet. And you can tell there's something between these guys, but you don't know what it is. They never tell you really a whole lot that had gone on till later on. They give you a few, few clues about it. But the man, the old man, I told you, you'll fall in love with this guy. He, t- he turns over to the guy and he says, he says, uh, whatever his name was. He says, uh, I let some of these things, he said, I was stupid. And I let some of these things get between us. And I'm sorry. He said, when your wife passed away, I wasn't there for you. And I should have been. And he apologized to him. Never mentioned a word about what the man did to him. And the guy looked over him, sitting in the truck, heading on down to some place to find some pumpkins. He said, well, I was stupid too. And however many years they had not talked with each other or enjoyed each other's company, they put it behind them. 
And they went on down and they got a whole truckload, pickup truck full of pumpkins. And they brought it on back and they, two of them piled them up on the porch for this young girl. As the movie goes on, the whole town begins to get involved with this. And the thing I was just really enjoying about this movie was the fact that they let things that had affected them go by the wayside. And they all banded together to help and to love on some people. Oh, it's just, it was neat. If you get a chance, you can go on home and watch that. If you get the Hallmark Christmas Channel, uh, whatever it is, is the Hallmark Movie Channel. They just do the Christmas shows. November Christmas. I really enjoyed that movie. That was a good one. But how much we're missing in life because we don't know what Jesus taught. He said, I've given you an example. I, as a Jesus Christ, I've been given all things. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to sit at His right hand. And I saw it important to wash your feet. And when he's washing their feet, he's not talking about Peter. Peter, all right, I'm going to wash your feet. But, you know, as soon as we leave here, you're going to get them dirty. You're going to deny me. He didn't go over to Judas and wash his feet and said, I'm washing your feet, but it's not going to do you any good. He just washed their feet in silence. Oh, I'll tell you what, can we follow his example? His example here is huge. His example is tough to follow. But what kind of things have we let come in to our relationships and we're not willing to wash another person's feet? I think sometimes we may be thinking that, well, if I go over and wash their feet or restore them, that I'm going to get a response like Peter did. I'm not washing my feet. Get out of here. I'm not washing my feet. If that happens, just be just like Jesus did. Okay. <laughs> but if if you don't wash their feet, relationship's going to be broken. We're going to lose some things. That old man I was talking to you about, the one you're going to fall in love with if you watch the movie, what was really neat was this friend that he hadn't seen for so long or dealt with much for so long. They began to do things together. They began to enjoy each other again. They took on some projects and they took on some things to help people. Oh, it was, it was really, really neat. They would have lost it if they hadn't. If we sin against God, you know, we pull out First John 1, 9. But if others sin against us, we become instruments of cleansing. I want to read for you 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. The, this punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man, so that on the contrary you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Punishment's been put out. All right, let it be done. It's been dealt with. Now let's go on. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Apparently this guy did something. And everybody knew it. And it's real easy when somebody does something to make them live under that forever. How many of y'all been there with that one? He's saying, no, the time's come now. You just need to love on them. The punishment's been already put out. Now love on them. Help them out. Reaffirm your love to him. For to this end... I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now, whom you forgive anything, 
I also forgive. Whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for you are not ignorant of his devices. This is a device that Satan uses. He tries to deceive, he tries to lie, sow thoughts, and he tries to divide. He tries to bring things in between people, destroy relationships. Don't let him do it. As much as is you are able to, do not let him do it. Keep on going. Keep plowing ahead with those relationships. Keep trying. Love on those folks. Yeah, but you don't know. Oh, I know. I don't know what they did. And I don't know the hurt that you're going through. And I don't know the pain that they inflicted on you. No, I don't know that. But I do know, oh, the joy <laughs> that'll come into your life when you go and wash people's feet. And you become an instrument of someone who goes out there and restores these things. It's hard. It is not easy. This is the tough thing. What Jesus is teaching here is heavy. It's hard. It is difficult. But he's saying if you do this, if you learn how to do this, if you go out there and you, you be the one to restore relationships. See, last week you all told me we ought to get into this and I'm watching that movie last night and I'm watching this guy. Remember the guy I told you about that you'd fall in love with? He's got a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Big one, too. <laughs> you're you're going to know who he is as soon as you start watching this thing. I watched the way that he went about restoring relationships. I was amazed. I said, boy, I could just pull out some of this thing in this movie and just show you. It's, it's exactly what needs to go on. Oh, can we, can we follow after the example of Jesus? Can you imagine knowing that Judas Iscariot is in the room and the Father has put this on your heart to do. You need to demonstrate then this principle. He's not demonstrating washing feet. He's demonstrating a principle. You need to demonstrate this principle. And Jesus even says, you're not going to understand what I'm doing, but you will understand it. This is the principle. And you need to get this down. I've had people in my, my life taught me this. Doug Jones has taught me this. I believe Brother Hagin has taught me this. The things that are most important are the things you deal, deal with when you know the end is near. Brother Doug used to tell us that about Brother Hagin. He said he noticed the things that he would teach on as he was getting towards the end of his life. And he said those are the most important things. And they were. They're hugely important. He said, I noticed the last number of years, this is really all he taught on. Two things, I think it was. He said, this is really all that he taught on. These two things. Jesus, in the last night, he puts this in here. Because he knows this is huge. You can't control who allows you to wash their feet. You can't control what relationships... Because a relationship involves two people, doesn't it? At least two. But it involves more than one person. You can't, re, you can't be responsible for what's on the other end. But you can sure be responsible for your end. Don't let those things hold on on the inside. Let them go. Matthew 18 is a great thing to read. I put that at the end of your outline there. If you want to go on home, read Matthew 18. That's all about forgiving. It's all about restoring. That's important for things for us to to learn and to know. But I hope you get this. This is why I say so adamantly, we will never have a foot washing service here. Because if we have one, we lose what Jesus taught. 
And this is one of the most important things he ever taught. One of the most important things he could get or get across. As I have restored the relationship between you and the Father, you go out and you restore relationships in the same way. You be an instrument of cleansing as much as you are able to. You be an instrument of cleansing. You think we can take up that challenge? (laughs) You think we can find places? How do we put that to work? When you are at work and you have an office environment, how many of y'all know gossip happens at work? Gossip does not restore relationships. Gossip destroys them. You as a cleansing agent, you need to stop gossip when it happens. When people want to tell you stories about other folks and give you the dirt on them, you need to stop them. You don't need to be telling me the dirt. I don't need to know that. You need to to stop those things. Be an agent of cleansing. An agent of cleansing. Be someone who goes out and finds ways to clean things up. When you find people that have not spoken to each other for years or people at work that are always at each other and don't trust each other or all kinds of stuff that can go on. What can you do to make that right? Well, I don't know. I never have any good ideas. Go to God in prayer. We've prayed, talked before about asking God for wisdom. Father God, there's a situation going on over there. Give me some wisdom. Let me know how I can help that situation out. And then you be an instrument of cleansing. You be a peacemaker. Because the Word of God says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The one thing I was noticing when I was watching this movie is this is a, you know, it's a, it's a movie, obviously. So you can create all kinds of stuff in there. But I'll tell you what, they created a feel-good situation in there. I mean, you just felt good watching this movie. There was this particular spot, especially when they get up to Christmas. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'll tell you what, you just feel good. They just do some stuff and they get people to come together and they do some things that is just astounding. And when we look at when we look at that, I, says, I, I, I don't know if you've ever asked this question. Have you ever asked? Maybe I've asked this question all the time. I, don't, I go out to ask the Father this question so many times. I said, Father God, why do you put up with us? Why is it that you love people? I don't understand your love for people. I mean, we're... We do some of the nastiest things. We say some of the harshest things. We're capable of such violence and anger. Why is it you love us? Why did you do all these sort of things? And I'm watching this movie, and I'm seeing this kind of stuff going on. I said, man, that's the good side of people right there. That's the good side of people. That's why God loves us, because we're capable of that kind of good. We are capable of immense good. We are capable of immense love. When we get out of our own selfishness, begin to go around. And as Jesus taught us, as Jesus was the example, wash each other's feet. Now, you may be thinking, well, so-and-so ought to be here, or my neighbor or the next, the next to be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's really easy to do that. How many of y'all know we got about 10 people on our list that need this more than we do? <laughs> that's, our, that's our nature. We are always thinking about that. Oh, I'll tell you what, I, I used to have the hardest time hearing things about forgiveness because I could think of 20 people who needed to learn forgiveness more than I needed to learn it. But you know what? Just forget about the other people. And think about you guys. Just you. Where are you at in your walk with God? 
Because unforgiveness hinders you. Hinders you. It takes joy right away from you. You won't have all those feel-good good movies. You won't have those storybook endings. Oh, but I tell you what, when, when things are made right, we're not harboring all that stuff on the inside. It changes. It changes us. We become joyful. We catch on to the heart of God. Jesus came down to this earth to do the Father's will. And that's what he did there in that room. This is the Father's will. It's to clean people up. It's to get them ready to fellowship again. It's the Father's will. I can do the Father's will. Oh, we sure can. We sure can. Would you all stand up with me? As we're going to start to get through this, how many remember from before? Well, that's a good thing we went over it again. Because I'll tell you, this is just such an important thing. Of the two topics that Brother Hagin was dealing with the last few years of his life, Brother Doug Jones, he was telling us there's two things he dealt with. One of them, and the one he dealt with the most, was the walk of love. This man who's known for teaching faith and healing, things of, the, of that nature, the number one thing he taught on his last number of years was walking in love. Because he saw that as the most important. Brother Doug Jones took, a, took that to heart. And if you ever listen to him teach, the number one thing he teaches on is walking in love. I've tuned in because I love finding his, his teaching around. Whenever I've tuned in, you know, God, oh, did he teach? Can you send me the CDs? Can I get the MP3s? Can I, what? He's teaching on relationships, on love. He learned that. That was one of the most important things to do. These things are huge. How many of y'all know when you've got relationships that are going bad, it kind of slows your day down, kind of messes up? If you have relationships that are bad at work, how many of you don't like to go to work? If you've got relationships that are bad in a neighborhood, I mean, you just don't like being in a neighborhood as much. It's just, it's not the same thing. You've got relationships that are wrong in family. How many on the holiday times? These are not good times. You're dreading getting together. Relationships are important. As much as it is responsible on your end, be the one who initiates the washing of feet. Be the one who, who gets it going. Because you can do a phenomenal job. And even if they don't come around, you will find out that love and joy are all over you. Even if they won't let you restore it. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. Relationships are important. Our relationship with you is of utmost importance. And you have Jesus in position to take care of anything that would come between us. We thank you for that. But we want to go out and do the same thing. So help us, Father, to walk after Jesus, to do the things that he said to do. Follow his example. We thank you for the help that you give us in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you put some of these things together and get them, get them going, I love to hear testimonies about it. Relationships that either got fixed, maybe some relationships, maybe, maybe they didn't get fixed. But you, what happened to you when you tried to, to get them going? What happened on the inside of you? Something good had to happen. still like to hear some testimonies and those kind of things. Hear what's going on with you. If you've made it over to the church website page, we've got all kinds of changes in there. I put some of them in on your 
bulletin. But head on over there and take a look. Um, if you haven't gone into the Facebook stuff, I put a lot of things up there this week. And we got a whole page now that just takes the feed. Anybody see that? Anybody go up there and see that? A couple people did. That's good. Going up there and take, check out some of those things. And, and uh, I tell you what, put some comments. I'd love to hear comments from you folks and, and see what's going on. And before we go, I have a couple of things to, to go over with you. We all know the election happened this week, and now we have to put our country back together from the, the rifts and the things that were going on. I made a statement last week, and I, beside this one, getting all the comments, I, this is one statement I got a, a few comments from. And if you are interested in this, we will get into this. I did say that uh, over the years, ever since Bush 41, I have noticed that the spirit of Antichrist has influenced every single president that we've had. There are things that they have done based on the spirit of Antichrist. Not that they were Antichrist, but that they have done things influenced by it. But I said last week that I have never seen a president more given to it than this one. And a few of you asked questions about it. And we're wondering about it. Now, some people were asking questions that I don't believe you. And other people were saying, I know that's true. Why is it true? <laughs> so we got people on both sides of the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned about it for this reason. First off, the spirit of Antichrist should be recognized by every single Christian Every single one, you should recognize it. It's important that you recognize it. Because if you don't recognize it, you're not going to see what it's doing. But there are certain characteristics in the Word of God that tells us about the spirit of Antichrist from when it has worked before and in the people that it has worked before. It is imperative that we know it. If you don't see it in this president or in the presidents before, then you could be in some serious trouble. It's it, this, this goes beyond, you know, we got the left and the right and the conservatives and the liberals and the progressives and the Democrats. And it's, it's not about that. What it's about is there is a spirit of Antichrist and he's got a purpose. That is to pave the way for the Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist has been at work for a very long time, since the Old Testament. It has been going on. And I can give you examples of people that he worked through, that the spirit of Antichrist worked through in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And he has certain characteristics. So when people started asking me this, I started using that little Evernote app I was telling you about. I <laughs> love that little thing. And I started making some notes on it. What are the characteristics of the Spirit of Antichrist from the Word of God? What does the Word of God teach us about it? And what do we know, it, know of it from the times that it has uh, come up? Understand, the Spirit of Antichrist is not the opposite of Christ. That is not the Spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit that is against Christ. It has nothing to do with opposite. In fact, there's a lot of things that the spirit of Antichrist tries to do to mimic. But his purpose is to be against it. And we need to understand what that, that is. So I got a little concerned that maybe some people aren't able to recognize these kind of things. If you are interested in it, we can take some time and go through it. That you are armed with knowing this kind of thing. Again, I said it last week, I'll say it again. President Obama is not the Antichrist. Don't go out of here thinking that he is. He doesn't qualify. He, he, I don't think he's from the right country. <laughs> I don't think he's coming from the United States. Uh, he, he, he is not as good at it as uh, the Antichrist will be. There's a, there's a whole lot of reasons why. He is not the Antichrist. But it doesn't mean that the spirit of Antichrist isn't there. The spirit of Antichrist is there not to impact every person in the world, but to impact world leaders. To make the way ready for Antichrist to come. That's, his purpose. That's the purpose of the spirit of Antichrist. That's what is there to do. If 
you do not see the spirit of Antichrist in some of these things or do, do see some parts of just, just let me know. And we'll, we'll spend some time. I don't mind taking a, a Sunday. Uh, I take a Wednesday, but not enough of you can make it on out there. It's, it's, I mean, this is really important stuff. You ought to be able to recognize. You ought to be, as soon as it shows its head, you ought to be able to see it. I've seen it in presidents that I liked as well as presidents that I don't like. And I'll recognize it whether I like the president or whether I don't like the president. I liked uh, President George W. Bush. I liked him as a person. I didn't like everything he did. I didn't like all his policies. But I could recognize the spirit of Antichrist when he gave into it. Same thing with his father. I can recognize it when they... Same thing with uh, Bill Clinton. You, you may like a person, you may dislike. It has nothing to do with it. Because one thing for sure, the Antichrist is going to be liked by a lot of people. It has nothing to do with likability. Those are things that you... Um, are, are curious about just like this we know we got into this because you w- some people were interested in it or just curious about it that's why we uh, diverted off on that so on the way out or up on facebook or something like that you can kind of put a little thing up there and let me know or tell me on the way out and we'll uh we'll look into into getting that for you because i want you to know about it not because of the person's opinion my opinion on on this president or, or any other has nothing to do with it. there was a prophecy that was given about the election and i want to go over it again it's been an hour-long prophecy and I want to go over um, some of the things. I was interested in some of the aspects of it. Uh, about the, it was about the outcome of the relationship or the, the, the thing. And as he was going over some stuff, some parts of the word were, were kind of confirming some of the things that I, I saw, which actually kind of gave me, because I was kind of depressed on, on uh, Tuesday night. Because this is not the way that I saw this, this thing going, out, going down at all. But um, I actually got a little bit encouraged. Not because... Well, if, you, if you're interested, we'll get into it. But the prophecy was very interesting in, in, in that. But you need to be prepared because the next four years are going to be, be different. I was corresponding with Brother Doug Jones on, on some of these things. And he reminded me of a prophecy that Brother Hayden had given. Very it was not about this election at all. It was about an uh, election way, a long time ago. And God told him, depending upon which way the people vote, will depend upon the economy of the United States. If they pick the wrong guy, the economy will be hurt. That was a word that came to to Brother Hagin. You have to understand, elections are not... I I tried to go over that with the prophecy last time. That's my thing I wanted to get get you to understand. God does not influence elections. If the people want it, the people get it. What the people want, the people get. God does not stand in the way. That's been Old Testament and New Testament. That's how it, how it goes. And, but the thing is, once they get it, they may not like it. But God doesn't say, oh, let's bail you out. He says, you asked for it, and <laughs> you got it. That's what he'll say. But anyway, if you want to get into anything about that, if you have some uh, questions about it, I'm not dealing from a political thing or from a left-right or a conservative, I'm just from the Word of God. I want you to see what the Spirit of Antichrist is out there to do, what he's intending to do, because the spirit of Antichrist is not, a, is not against the United States. The spirit of Antichrist is not against the Constitution. The spirit of Antichrist is against Christ. That's who he's against. And that's what we want to uh, take a look at. So we'll get into that. I'll spend some... some so if you want to. I'll, I'll wait to hear from, from you folks on that. 